I'm gonna move your coffee. Good morning. I learned a long time ago that if I took off my glasses, I couldn't see y'all, but I wasn't half as nervous. But I can't read my notes, <laughs> so I'm not going to do that. Um, I learned with Chuck and Jay and I at their house going through teaching training that um, I can be bold, I can be confident, and I got this because I'm amongst family, and God has given me... Um, I think it's simple, but I think it's um, good. Ginger, I think it's encouraging, and I think it's challenging. It's challenged me this week studying, and the more I studied it and the more I kept thinking about it, the more excited I got. Um, We're actually going to talk about making wine today, and that's not the part that got me excited. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I do want to open with a question. Why do you think Jesus served wine at the Lord's Supper as representation of his blood? Because the scriptures tell us that he is the living water. So why would he serve wine? Anybody got any ideas or thoughts? I think it's because we are the wine. That's what I think. Um, Wine making has been around for thousands of years. God is the Alpha and Omega. He was before the wine making. He will still be after the wine making. The human race has been around for thousands of years. But God has been before the human race and he will be after the human race. Um, And the vineyard is a picture of hope. When you think of a vineyard, the, the man that owns that vineyard, he sees profit. He sees making a living. All of his hope, all of his time is put in to cultivate those plants. Because that is his living. When that product comes in and it is finalized, that's how he's going to earn his living. When Jesus looks at the vineyard, there is hope. We're going to be um, in Matthew twenty-one thirty-three through 44. I'm not going to read the whole story. I'm going to summarize a little bit of it. There's a landowner, and he plants a vineyard. This is God, and it's talking about Israel, God's special people. He puts a wall around it. He digs a wine press in it. He builds a tower. He rents it out. And then he goes on a journey. The harvest time comes. He sends his slaves or his servants. That would be the prophet, the one who foretold of his coming. The vine growers, the political and the religious leaders, they beat one. They killed one, and then they stoned one. 
So he sends another group, larger than the first group, and the same thing happens. So then he sends his son, his well-beloved son, and he says, they will respect my son. Jesus is the son. But instead, do you know what they say? This is the heir. Let us kill him and seize the inheritance. And scripture tells us that they do. When we pick up in verse 40, Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those vine dressers? They said to him, He will destroy those wicked men miserably and lease his vineyard to other vine dressers who will render to him the fruits in their seasons. Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures? The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Jesus is the cornerstone in his new building, the church. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a nation bearing the fruits of it. And whoever falls on this stone will be broken, but on whomever it falls, it will grind him to powder. And mine is an NIV, but uh, one version I read said it will crush him. Jesus, he is the cornerstone, the building stone, but he goes on to become the crushing stone. In the end, he crushes the enemies. The, the likelihood of this um, time frame is um, an allusion to the destruction of Jerusalem, probably in 587 B.C. and A.D. 70. Um, I want to do a comparison of the winemaking process with us. Chuck, do you have any pictures that I sent Jana? It's okay. If you don't, it's okay. It's okay. Don't worry about it. On your table is a plate of grapes. Don't care what color you pick up. Just pick up a grape and look at it. When you look at that grape... That is me. That is you. One grape, one person. If you look at that plate of grapes, they're different colors. Some of them have more, co- more than one color on each grape. They're different sizes. When you think of a cluster of grapes, um, we actually have a cluster. When you look at the cluster... This is your family unit. Mother, father, brother, sister, this is your family unit. When you look at a great vine, that's going to be your community. You have more than one cluster of grapes on a vine. When you look at the vineyard, you get the whole world. There is hope in a vineyard. But when you look at the finalized product, the bottle of wine, that's the church. Each grape can taste a little different, but it takes a lot of grapes to make one bottle of wine. We are all different in our talents and our gifts that God gives us, but it takes every one of us to make 
the body of new wine. The very young grapes are not used in the wine. They are allowed to grow to maturity. We are moving and transitioning because we have new grapes that need space to grow and to mature. And we want to make room for them because they are going to be the great vines in tomorrow's vineyard. So we want to make sure we get them rooted and grounded to where we can cultivate them properly. Uh, Each grapevine is carefully tended to daily. It's a huge time uh, time investment. We need time with God daily. He invested time in creating us. He spoke everything into existence, but he created us. He invested his well-beloved son for our benefit. He's very patient with us. The vineyardman has to be very patient with those plants to get a harvest. The moment that the grapes are picked, the very moment, determines acidity, sweetness, and flavor of the wine. God knows the talents and the gifts that he has placed inside each one of us and how we're going to fit into the church as a body of the whole for his glory because he handpicked us. Determining when to harvest requires a touch of science along with old-fashioned tasting. We are to plant the seeds and to water them into the people's lives But God does the knocking on their hearts. God does the inviting. He celebrates when they choose him. God is the one that harvests the grapes. We just cultivate them. Crushing and pressing. This is the part that is going to get our toes. The wine press dates back um, as far as 4000 BC in Armenia. But before that, it is possible that um, the men and women stomp them with their feet so that the bitterness in the seeds in the skin were not in the wine. You don't want a bitter wine. The whole, the skin, it's really of no value. What color my skin is, what color Will's hair is, what shape we are that doesn't matter that's the outward the fruit the grape the juice it's on the inside the good stuff is on the inside but in order for the good stuff to come out to make wine it's got to be crushed it's got to be pressed It's got to go through that process in order to be useful. Jesus was broken on our behalf. Um, Isaiah 53, 5 says he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Uh, In Psalms 51, 17, the New Living Translation says the sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. In today's society, we stomp and we crush people with our words, 
and with our actions. That's not good for the church. That doesn't help the church at all. Whether it's people inside the church or whether it's people outside the church. We have people leaving the faith because they've been crushed. They've been pressed. These are wounds that leave marks. When you... Grapes are delicate. They get bruised. They get rotted. People get bruised. When they get bruised, they don't always come back. Some of them get so bruised, they rot. Bruised and rotted grapes are not used in the winemaking process. They're of no value. Fermentation. That's a chemical breakdown in the grape. Um, There's an old definition of it, though, that's agitation and excitement. We, the church, are supposed to be excited about Jesus. (laughs) We are supposed to be excited about Jesus, our Lord. The clarification, the stabilization process... This is where the insoluble matter suspended in the wine is removed before it's bottled. Matthew 7, 5 says, Remove the the beam out of your own eye. Then you can see clearly to remove the the speck out of your brother's eye. We all have impurities and things in our lives that we have to remove in order to grow, in order to become... uh, Age to perfection in Jesus. The aging and the bottling process. Aging changes wine. Aging changes us. Um, There's three important factors in aging wine. Temperature, exposure to light, and humidity. In other words, don't jump the gun, but don't wait too long. We cannot get ahead of God, but we cannot drag our feet because he will find somebody to carry out his task in his time. What is our temperature in our relationship with Christ once we have been exposed to the light of the world? Um, A synonym for humidity is closeness. Once the wine is bottled, it needs to be rotated every so often so it doesn't settle. Sometimes you can tell how long a bottle of wine has been sitting there because if you hold it up, it's like got this dark line in the bottle. It's not been rotated. God rotates us as individuals, and he rotates us as a body of believers. New wine is fixing to be rotated. Every time that we send someone to the mission field, we're planting a grapevine. And that grapevine could be the beginning of a vineyard. John fifteen five tells us, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. The promise or the mark, um, the 
it's the skin, the pulp, the seeds, the stems, everything that is left after pressing out the fruit and the juice. It's used as a fertilizer. Um, as we move on to the next step that God has for us, we leave an empty cup, allowing space for another group of believers to come in and plant another church. The process goes on. The vineyard is an image of hope. Don't put your talents and your gifts in the cellar and let them rot. Use them. New wine is vibrant and refreshing. Comes with that new power. That's why you cannot put it in old wineskins. It can't hold it. They can't hold it. Words cannot describe to me, for me, where I was before I found new wine. When Chuck and Janice said they were starting a church, I was so excited. I was searching for a church home at that time and did not know where God was going to take me on my new wine journey. And last week I heard that new wine song for the first time and I'm just like, wow. When I think of where we're going, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Um, The only reason that I'm able to stand here and tell you what God has shared with me today is because people at new wine saw my talents, saw my calling, saw my gifts and said, Go after it. Be bold. Be courageous. And so I as an individual, I as a grape, am so excited to see where we go as a church and a body of believers. And one day we're going to break a a bottle of wine and we're going to celebrate. And I'm so glad to call you my church family. I'm so glad to be a part, to be here with you guys. And then I found my cute little bookmark. <laughs> so that's that's all I have for you guys today. I hope you're challenged. I hope you're encouraged. And I hope you're excited about the transition because I am. <laughs>